Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. It has a 6.5-meter diameter mirror, which is gold-coated, and it will be able to look into the universe much further than we ever did with Hubble and through gas and dust clouds to the centers of galaxies and the birthplaces of stars and planets. I grew up observing the moon and dreaming about the moon and dreaming about the universe. So I wanted to know more. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Jessica Hankin. And I'm Laura Wexler. This week on the podcast, She Blinded Me with Science. Two astrophysicists share stories about looking into deep, 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 deep space. Deep space, deep space. Uh, Before (laughs) we go deep, we want to thank Park School, an independent K-12 non-denominational school in North Baltimore. So our first storyteller is Nora Lutzendorf, and um, Nora is a friend and a mom and a wife, and most importantly, before everything, she is German. But even before that, she's an astronomer, astronomer, no, gosh, an astronomer at the Space Telescope Science Institute. And this is her story that has many elements of science, including the climate. Take a listen. Yeah, so I'm an astronomer, and I work on the space on a space telescope, the James Webb Space Telescope. And that telescope isn't in space yet. Uh, it is going to be launched next year around uh, Halloween, and uh, it's going to be very much awesome. It is as big as a tennis court, and in fact, it is so big that you have to fold it to get into a rocket, and it will later unfold in space. It has a 6.5 meter diameter um, mirror, which is gold coated, and um, it will be able to look into the universe much further than we ever did with Hubble and through gas and dust clouds to the centers of galaxies and the birthplaces of stars and planets. So my story takes place in um, summer 2017 in Houston. And some people of you might be connecting the date and the place to something that happened in Houston during this time, and that was Hurricane Harvey. Uh, which was very devastating and created a lot of flooding uh, and destruction in Houston. So why was I in Houston? Well, you might guess it was because of the telescope was there. So the James Webb Space Telescope was actually assembled not far from us in Greenbelt at the NASA Goddard Center. And then it was shipped to Houston, to NASA Johnson, because Houston had something that Goddard didn't have, and that was a gigantic cryovacuum chamber. So a cryovacuum chamber is basically a gigantic fridge, which also can create a vacuum. And this is used to simulate space. So uh, you put a spacecraft in there and you create a vacuum and you cool it down to space-like temperatures. And then you test how the spacecraft behaves in space. And this chamber is pretty uh, historical too, because it was already used to test the Apollo missions. um, So the moon landing missions uh, right there. So you can imagine this is this huge chamber. It's as big as a building. It has this huge door. It looks like a stargate, very futuristic. And a chamber like this, you cannot just turn on and off that easily. You have to wait until the vacuum creates and until the temperatures are low. So the way how those tests are done, we we turn it on and wait until everything is cool. And then we run that test for a continuous like three months or so. And continuous means 24-7. So um, everybody who's involved has to... Uh, maintain 
basically the uh, yeah we all have to be there to uh, for twenty four seven. So we work in shifts, eight hour shifts, three shifts a day. So um, and um, that goes on for several months. So um, August twenty third was it? Yes, I took a plane down to Houston, and you could say that Harvey was basically doing the same. Because both of us were heading to Houston, Harvey and me. Harvey was forming the Gulf, and I just very naively took a plane to that place where this hurricane would come. So I arrived two days later, Harvey made landfall. And Harvey didn't just make landfall once, if you remember, it made landfall a couple of times. It always soaked up more water and then dumped more water in Houston and so on. Now, you noticed probably from my accent, I'm not from the US, I'm from Germany. And in Europe, we don't really have those kind of hurry, those kind of things, hurricanes and tornadoes. So anything with swirling winds is something that is very new to me. So I've never had an experience. So Harvey was my first meet with a full-fledged hurricane. So I arrived and things went a little bit out of the ordinary. We couldn't just break up that test because, as I said, it takes a long time for it to cool down. We were right in the middle. If we would have broken up that test, we would have gotten more delays for the telescope. And it was already quite delayed. So we really wanted to go on. So we went on with the test. NASA closed down, except of very essential tests like ours. And um, yeah, things went a bit crazy. We had to, we couldn't use our cars anymore to drive in. We were flooded. Everything was flooded. NASA Johnson is at the Nassau Bay. So it's at the water. So we were driven in with big pickup trucks um, that some of the NASA employees had. Um, and then inside, we had to work um, under transparent tarps. We had our computers under tarps and our laptops because the building was leaking. So remember, this building was from the 60s. So obviously, when you have a lot of water dumped on this building, you get leaks. So we had leaks everywhere. And then we had to um, sit under the tarp and work. Then our our eight-hour shifts turned into 12-hour shifts, which were already, I mean, eight-hour shifts were already pretty intense, but then the 12-hour shifts were even more intense because we just didn't have enough people to cover those three shifts a day. So you had to be very focused during the entire day. Um, the telescope wasn't making it easier for us either, just because there was a hurricane. So um, we still had to be very focused and, and con uh, yeah, concentrate on problem solving during uh, this time. So. I had the day shifts and at night I was then in my hotel room and I have to say I was actually quite scared because again I, I had no no idea what this weather can actually do and I was in the hotel room and it was loud and stormy and I got like my phone was buzzing non-stop and saying tornado warning tornado warning seek shelter now and I was I was looking at my window and I thought like this can't be good. Um, what what does it mean to seek shelter now? Do I go into the bathroom? There's no window there. Maybe I should sleep in the in the bathtub. I heard that that is a thing. Maybe I saw that in the movie once. Um, so I texted my my boyfriend, now loving husband, because he's American. He should know what to do. And um, he texted me back, given that it was three a.m. in the morning. Um, Are you on the highest floor in your building? No. Okay, then you should be fine because you will hear the tornado coming. It sounds like a freight train. And, and I wanted to scream at him because I didn't really think that was a very useful comment because it was already so loud. I always, from this moment on, I always imagined a freight train coming. So I didn't really, I didn't sleep much during the nights. So short nights, very long days, uh, but we plugged along, we worked hard and um, the test went on. Um, at the end, we actually, uh, it was hard for us to get out because no plane was leaving. NASA came to the rescue and they organized a plane 
that loaded all of our replacement people from Baltimore, who would then take off over our shifts, flew them over uh, to a small military airport nearby, and then loaded us up and flew us back to Baltimore. So after a very long week, we actually made it back out of the hurricane area. And um, yeah, I, I just think back on this time, it was very exciting and very stressful as well. And to be honest, it wasn't the first time the telescope experienced some of those hiccups. In 2015, we had a snowstorm uh, when we were in Goddard. I was trapped there too, obviously. And now in 2020, we have a pandemic. So the telescope has seen a lot of things and we are really excited for it to be launched next year. And yeah, I can't wait to do science with it, to look at the centers of galaxies and look for black holes, but uh, also to, for other people to look for exoplanets and life on, on other planets. So it's going to be very exciting um, for, for all of astronomy and for others as well, for everybody who is interested in it. So keep an eye open for that launch next year. And yeah, remember the, the hurricane when you hear about it. Thank you. Oh, so yeah. And she's not married to that guy, Phil, our friend. Because he gave her really good advice. That's why <laughs> she married him, right? He yeah. he told her, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, she needed someone who's not going to indulge her crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah, not get too worried about her safety. Uh-huh, no problem. Before we get on to our next deep space story, we want to thank Golden West, a vegan southwestern restaurant on the avenue that has been serving food throughout the pandemic you should support them and baltimore magazine you can find them online and on the newsstand so this next storyteller um duilia demillo um i think i said that right i really worked on it yeah um she is an extra galactic astrophysicist so she takes your astrophysicist and she ups the ante to extra galactic Damn. which i would say she's just deep deep deeper into space <laughs> um and she's also a physics professor and a vice provost um, at the catholic university of america in washington I love her story. It's such a cool story. I think this is something that people who are in any scientific field want to experience for themselves, and we get a little armchair experience of it. So take a listen. So I grew up in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Rio is such a wonderful, beautiful city. It has the white sand beaches and all the mountains, and even forests inside the city. But it's a city. So the night sky, not so good. But the moon rising is amazing. And if you've ever seen the moon rising in Copacabana Beach, you, your life will change. So that's how I grew up. I grew up observing the moon and dreaming about the moon and dreaming about the universe. So I wanted to know more. So at that time, I was a little girl, I was, uh, you know, in my teens, and I wanted, I, there were three things I liked the most. I had a favorite spacecraft, I had a favorite soccer team, and I had a favorite rock and roll star. So my favorite spacecraft, Pioneer 11. Pioneer 11 was a NASA spacecraft that was taking pictures of Jupiter and Saturn and sending them back to Earth, and I just wanted to know more about that. How did I get here? So I was just a very curious little girl. So my soccer team, if you wonder, is Flamengo, and I'm sure you all want to know 
my favorite rock star, Peter Frampton. Yeah. So I decided that I wanted to know more about the universe. So I decided I was going to become an astronomer. And so I did. The first time I saw Saturn with my own eyes through a telescope was that I was already in college. And I couldn't believe my eyes. It looked like it was suspended in the sky. And it was so beautiful. I just couldn't believe it. But I think I cried a little bit that night because I just thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to study? What am I going to do? What am I going to specialize in? So I decided that I was going to work with galaxies. I wanted things really far away, things that we couldn't see very well from here that would need space telescopes to see them. So I became an extragalactic astrophysicist and I still am an extragalactic astrophysicist. And I study not just galaxies, but colliding galaxies. I like really messy, messy looking galaxies. So I decided that I was going to do this for the rest of my life. And so did I. So I went to observing them, the mountains of Chile. So Chile is wonderful astronomy because they, it has all these mountains and it's really dry climate and really dark nights, exactly the opposite of Rio. So I could observe my colliding galaxies. And I wanted to know their chemical composition. I want to compare this colliding messy galaxies with galaxies that are just like our galaxy, our own Milky Way. So here I go observing in Chile and I have my sample of colliding galaxies and I'm ready to observe one of them when I notice something different. I noticed there was an extra star an extra star that was not supposed to be there. I could see stars of the Milky Way that were in the front of the galaxy. Remember, these galaxies are far away. This one in particular, 53 million light years away. So I wanted to see, you know, what is this star doing here? And it was exactly where the galaxy was supposed to be. So I decided that I was going to pass my instrument right there and I was going to see what was that object doing there. This is the curious little Duilia that when we were a little girl that really wanted to discover things. So meanwhile, I received a visitor. My visitor was my boyfriend at that time. He's my husband now. He's, we've been married 23 years. So he decided to come and visit me and bring me a sandwich. So I told him, well, wait a few minutes because I'm just about to see what I'm observing. And I think I saw exploding star. I think I discovered a supernova. So he was like, oh, you're kidding. I said, no, no, just wait. So we waited a little bit. The data arrived. We saw this on the screen and we're like, whoa, something is different here. This is not just the chemical composition of that galaxy. Something is going on. So I called this guy who actually knew about supernova. He was in the mountain, he came inside and he's like, oh, congratulations, you discovered a supernova. And I said to him, so how do you know? How do you know this is, I discovered, how do you know somebody else didn't see it also? I need a catalog. So he looked at me and he said, I am the catalog. So this guy catalogs all the exploding stars that happen during the year. So he said, okay, so next night we're gonna observe again 
and we're going to write this report that you discovered the supernova. And I was like, oh my gosh. And finally, I actually realized that I was the first one, the first one to see this star exploding. But why is this so cool? Why is this so important? It's because when stars explode, they launch all these chemical elements that they make inside them during the nuclear fusion process when they're producing energy. They launch all these chemical elements into the interstellar medium. And these chemical elements will form new stars, new planets, and even life. We are made of stars. So I finally got back 20 years later that feeling that I had when I was a little girl. So what do I do in our days? Well, when I go to Brazil, and I go very often, I look for the little girls, I look for the little duilias in the audiences when I give speeches, and I look for their bright eyes, because their bright eyes are also made of stars. Thank you, everybody. I just love telling her story to my kids and, and saying like, oh, I met this person who discovered a supernova and what adventure story that is. Yeah, I mean, and that your kids paid attention to that story instead of putting their... <laughs> well, as long as it's about someone else and not about me. If, it's, if I'm telling a story about my own life, well, then the eyes glaze over like instantaneously. But if it's about somebody else, they, no, they're all ears. Um, and, you know, the great thing about Duilia is she travels all over, kind of trying to unlock the possibilities of careers and space for girls like she was. And that real sense of giving back and wanting to enlarge the field so that when you say astrophysicist, you don't have to say female astrophysicist because people automatically think it's a dude, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get out of here, we want to thank Wine Source, which has been sending people into deep space for as long as they've been around with their very good wine and beer. And as Jessica would say, price points. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we want to thank Maureen Harvey for producing the podcast. Thanks to y'all for listening. You can find us at soupstorytelling.com. And wherever you get your audio content, you can find our podcast. We will see you soon. <laughs>